and and go. Ready, set, one, two, three. Uh, here it is. Zip. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to put myself in a compromised position. That's why I record hours of myself and put it on the internet. There's rules for the game, like uh, especially for recording yourself for that venue for that medium that avenue of avenue of doing it like there's different rules at the point that you make a video because there's better uh there's kind of higher standards or i mean that's a whole different game that i'm being involved in if i'm trying to be good at it like the game of youtube calls for certain rules that you have to go by in order to play the game well in order to be the most visible and get the most views uh, it's, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of something that YouTube wants, YouTube wants out of me. It's something that YouTube expects out of me that I have to conform to. Um, I'm back, uh, I'm back videoing this in front of the window that I videotaped the most of the, my first episodes and in the camera with me are my golf clubs. Again, they're more, they're more in the picture than they used to be. They're uh, my co-star, I guess, is what it looks like. That's my co-star is these golf clubs. Um, uh, there's nothing. There's nothing that I, that I can do. They bribed me. Golf clubs are. Um, I mean, that's just that's just what you get. And then if you turn pretty old, then you're gonna like totally. You're really gonna want to get to know those golf clubs. Like at some point, these golf clubs will be my best friend or something like that. And so might as well get started early. I mean, why not, why not prepare for being 90, uh, by, uh, thinking about what that'll look like early on. And, um, like I'm excited for not, I'm excited for a time when I record myself and don't have as, as many expectations as I put on myself as I do now. It's so sad to have expectations and feel guilt about uh, being guilty or it's kind of like sometimes I start recording myself like, oh, you got to act fast because people are fucking judging. I mean, they're just looking for a reason to stop because why wouldn't they be in a world where you can click onto something new the second that I'm boring? Like, oh my God, I have to be so entertaining. But it's, uh, it's, it's all good. I'm sorry for being like that. I'm sorry for mentioning that. I, I'm talking to you today about something. Uh, let me talk to you about morality. And I was talking at the end of the last episode about um, the Jews and how, uh, how much they've negatively impacted the world. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I'm just joking around, as is always kosher to do, is to joke about Jewish people. Um, I kind of like, I mean, I have a lot of fun on this podcast, I guess. I have fun. Probably nobody else does. I just like to mention the Jews. And it's funny to me. I picture that, like, it's funny to me if somebody was listening to my podcast for a bunch of episodes for a really long time. And then I make a couple comments about Jews. And then they're like, oh, is he becoming radicalized? Like, I'm not sure that it's really safe to listen to this guy or... Like, 
I could see that somebody would tune out just because I mentioned Jews, even though it's it's funny how people jump to defend Jews when they're not even Jewish, like or they would say, "Are you becoming radicalized?" I actually kind of like, or I'm kind of just interested in what Jews do, or it's like, oh, I'm drawn to it. I'm hypnotized by them, which they tend to. I mean, maybe they have that kind of effect on people. More hypnot. It's like some people's, some groups of people are more hypnotizing than others, and like Polish people are kind of like people you can always make fun of, and I think that states work like that, where Wisconsin is kind of understated, and they always have this thing where you can make fun of them for like cheese or dairy, and uh, or like that they're fat or some or like they're uh, hicks. Like, you can kind of go back to stereotypes about people from Wisconsin, and it's okay. And I think it works the same way with Polish people or, like, Dutch people. You get to call Dutch people poor, and that's a negative quality. We're like, oh, the Dutch are so cheap all the time. Um, without, We're not, like, worried about what we're doing. We're painting their culture in a negative light or anything. We're not worried about that. Um there's some cultures where it's okay to just talk shit about them, and then there's some that aren't. And I'm serious. I'm serious about that. But how culturally appropriating is the phrase African-American to people in Africa, especially? And, like, over in America, we have this pretty generalized view of Africa where we always just refer to everything over there as Africa like that was there's a reason that they divided it into like however many like 70 countries or whatever is probably more than that like it's not that hard at the point that they neatly divide themselves they like the borders of those countries don't change as like at least not very often they kind of are set in stone a little bit it should be easy enough to know like people over here could do something in the name of figuring out what's going on in africa or like discerning one culture to another but we care so little about their cultures we're like ah that's africa and it's like we are our view of it is god bless the rains down in africa like that stupid a view of it is kind of the view that people like to continue to hold or they wish that that was the world it's like the world where uh africa is just it takes place in this song and we have pity on them and they're underprivileged and we hold those stereotypes and the media uh reinforces those stereotypes like africa is poor they're underprivileged like I mean, I, I guess it might cause you to get the idea that they are all, that they aren't worth as much or something. That's what Americans like to treat it as. They are, they're underprivileged and they're poor, like God bless the rains. And basically, God, no, there's no cultures in Africa that are, cultures in Africa, well, I guess they practice Islam, but there's a lot of them that aren't monotheistic. But we're kind of like, like, God bless the rains in Africa is just kind of racist to people in Africa that we're like, oh, those people over there that believe in, they're superstitious about the way that rain works. It's like, we're going to have our God bless them because they're like, oh, the way, and they would like it too. They would like it, like they would think that their gods are blessing it. I mean, we're taking the initiative of having our God bless their rains because we're like, you know what? Even though we don't agree with what's going on over there, we want the best for them. And we just want God to bless the rains down in there. It's just a, it's just a song about uh, positivity and like uh, uh, good emotional impact or like 
Americans like to think that they have their emotions and intentions in the right place that we like get on board, get excited because that song gets a lot bigger than it's supposed to. It's more of a phenomenon across decades from when it was made than it really should be. And it's it's because Americans like to think that they have their emotions in the right place. Like evidence for that is like, oh, we do want the best for Africa, but you're not, nobody's willing to like differentiate between cultures in Africa. It's just like, oh, everybody in Africa is underprivileged. And we have the word African-American and we apply that to uh, African-Americans that live in America who have never, a lot of them, probably the majority, I would think, have never been to Africa and it's pretty culturally appropriating to everybody in Africa to to say i mean like uh, i don't know african american that like we're calling black people african americans instead of instead of something else because they're so um like, why are we tying them back to Africa, especially a group of people that we see as underprivileged? It goes, it goes right along with all the white people liking to, to reinforce to the country that the name of the game is white privilege and like to say that whites have privilege. The same kind of people that just say whites are, um, well, you got to look at, you got to hold everybody to their whiteness and comment towards a white person when they're white to call them white make sure that they remember that they're white and this is just in my opinion uh racist to and um promoting of the white race when you're calling other white people white and being like oh you're white and they do it to say that you don't get to act black basically or like we better not see you thinking that you're acting like a black person because remember that you're white like these racist white people want to make sure that whiteness is displayed at all times in front of them from other whites and um it's like cultural appropriation and like cultural cultural appropriation is really not very appropriate i mean it's kind of like people introduce that phrase to say that uh it's just a loophole that they are trying to capitalize off of with the word appropriate where to this point in history most people aren't using appropriate as a verb and people are like exploiting this new recognition of it where it's like appropriating something actually means something different from appropriate but it's kind of like appropriate has gotten a lot more visibility and use as a word as just as an adjective the last 30 years and uh people are coming are uncovering more about it and eventually that results in people using it in different forms or just exploring the idea of appropriation itself and before very much has been revealed about the idea of appropriation these people jump in and they try to capitalize off of certain territories within it to say like people because the rest of the country hasn't thought very much about appropriating something as a verb or appropriation as the idea and it's like uh they certain people have found that there's loopholes in appropriating that like when you use appropriate appropriation in this way then you can hold it over people that they're being a culturally appropriating when they say uh when they make any race when they talk about race at all but it's just that the problem with race is um and i didn't i didn't know that i was gonna start talking about this today and uh, i guess it's like a heavy topic but but um 
it's such a heavy topic it always has to be like don't even talk about it but what are you supposed to do like are you supposed to have a dialogue or are you supposed to not have a dialogue because like cultural appropriation prohibits you from having dialogues but it's really like i don't think that the the way to sort out racism or to fix it is to have a dialogue because there's a lot of opinions about race that are pretty unnecessary for example i go to chipotle and then if the worker that's getting me my chipotle is black and the then i go to get black beans sometimes i think about it when i say black because they're like what kind of beans do you want and then I got to look at him and say black. And that obviously crosses some people's minds. And But it's important that I bring that up because we're all trying to share our perspectives and have a dialogue. So all, all, all perspectives are valid. It's important to have a conversation. Like that point that I brought up is just racist. It introduces race unnecessarily into the equation. There's plenty of those that we don't need that actually make things more racist because now I'm just spreading to people that you can think about that too. And uh, I mean, but people are probably already thinking about it. And I can't say white beans because they don't have any, they don't have any of those. And he'll know, like, sometimes he's like, what kind of beans do you want? And I'm just like, I just like motion in his direction. He, like, what kind of beans do you want? Uh, any any kind of beans, black or brown, is fine. Um, uh, those are those are all good beans. Uh, the and some like you know, there's no there's no easy way to approach it because it's important to make a big deal about it. Probably, it's probably the most importantly. When you're at Chipotle, the person getting your Chipotle is black, and they're like, what kind of beans do you want? Um, it's probably important to make a big deal out of it. Um, there, uh, the color of your skin color, beans, is that a good answer? I feel like that, I feel like that works. He knows that I'm a good guy. I'm not a racist, so brown. Is that the answer? It's just hard to figure out the answer when it comes to race. But here's the thing about race. And this is just, and it's just that that circulates a lot. There's like Shane Gillis type comedians that are all about like holding people to their whiteness. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, it's like a valid point because it's a counter argument to that. Like during all of this time before that people didn't, find it important to point out that somebody was white but for all of that time they did uh, like o over proportionately uh point out that people were black so like i get why it's more a thing to just say well you were just a white guy and i get that it's just that like the whole the whole race thing is a little bit like the thing about races is that, and I'm going to make a point about how race is like a race that you win, like a running one, but it's also race. But literally a race that you run is the word for race because you're talking about different tribes and different tribes are competitive. Tribalism is very competitive. It's like the fund one of the fundamental features of it, as long as you're describing things, as long as you're using words. Tribalism is pretty competitive and what you're talking about with race with different races of people you're talking about how they're in different tribes 
they're in different categories, but the like the media, mainstream media standard or just like whoever whoever it is who's saying that they aren't the racists are like, well, we need equality. We need to see everybody as equal and we need to start a dialogue about equality when with race it is it's fundamentally differentiated that's the that's why you're using the word it's kind of like um race is part of the problem with race is that people aren't willing to recognize that races have winners and by the way who usually wins races black people do if we're talking about races that you're running it's always blacks that win that it's always blacks they win races. And so maybe the problem with race in the world and why everybody's a racist is because they're not willing to admit that races have winners or, th or that there are differences in race. Like, isn't that the conclusion you're supposed to come to based on the way that we've defined the word? Races are different. That's the, that's the answer. Diversity is... Uh, I argue for diversity. I don't argue for equality. And... Um, so just to mention all of that, and then when broadcast sports broadcasters are like, um, they're real hot shit because they're like, hey, we are totally on this camera right now, and um, we own the rights to speak the narration for this game and that kind of thing. But And they all use the same phrases that they've used forever, and they use the, word, they use the phrase foot race for whenever there's a foot race. And they all use that. Basically, every broadcaster for 15 years is like, it's a, it's a foot race whenever it's one, it comes down to one guy chasing another guy in a football game. At the point that, like, oh, originally it was 11 versus 11, but now all of a sudden, before we knew it and before we could control anything, this play has developed into a one versus one. It's just a foot race. And most of the time when it's a foot race, it's one black guy and another black guy. But all these white broadcasters are allowed to call call it a foot race um they're like well this harkens back to a time and a place where people don't have shoes and uh you know what place that might be they also say they don't say that but uh what i'm saying is are you talking about africa <laughs> for these two africans that are racing each other isn't that racist isn't that cultural appropriation why are they allowed to say that um it's cultural appropriation i would think and it's um but it's a, it's a foot race and also it isn't a foot race because in foot races one guy isn't trying to tackle the other one and in foot races no foot race ends with one guy catching up to the other one and tackling him like a foot race is somebody it would have to mean that all of the outcomes if it was a foot race it would mean that the guy who is ahead escaped and he that's the only that's the only way that it ends in an what you what you're saying a foot race that's the only way that it becomes the same thing as a foot race is when it because it's not it's not one because one guy isn't chasing the other guy in a foot race they're both racing to a finish line it doesn't even make any sense and um i don't know why i shared all of that for you but um it's the same as, I don't know why I shared, it's the same as any other time. It's always that. I don't know why I didn't, I don't know why I shared all of that. Who knows? Who could come up with the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew why I did this. Like I care. Like I really ever care. 
like I really ever care about making lots of noise, like in or if I'm too loud in my apartment because I'm gonna do it anyway. It's like, oh wow, the drama of it. I and when I really don't care about the drama, it's just that like uh, maybe I like to introduce more guilt in the equation so I can get myself out. Of, but it's like a psychoanalysis doesn't um, doesn't necessarily help the situation. I, I wanted to talk to you today about m morality. Do you guys hear of uh, hear speak of morality? What's that? What are there whispers of? Are there whispers of morality going on? Is, are people talking about morality? Where is it coming from? What's that noise? It's it's morality. It sounds like. Do you hear that noise over there? What's that noise? It's not very loud, but I think I can make it out. What is it that people are talking about? Uh, definitely, uh, this is definitely a popular topic. Morality is what I hear. I hear back that what people need to hear about is certainly, without question, what you need to hear about today is morality. But I want to, uh, beyond the scope of me trying to, uh, but beyond the scope of that, beyond the scope of morality, let me push forward here. Beyond the scope of morality, I want to talk about its connection to memories and morals and mores. Like, did you know that morality is actually strongly related to morals? Do you know that moral and morality are, like, almost the same word? Have you ever heard that before? Um, Sigmund Freud wrote a whole book about that because he was a genius. Because he was cool. Caught a vibe, maybe I'm looking for a ride. I just want to look into your eyes. I don't want to stay for the night. Night. When we catch a vine, maybe we can hit the four and five. Hypnotized by the lights. Man, this must be the life. The, and then the guy sings and he's like, When I go to sleep. It's a lot higher. I'm 21 minutes in, I can't risk anything, so I'm not going to be committed to the way that these people actually sound singing this song. Because I have reservations. Because I, I, because my heart beats, um, loudly. I don't know what I was trying to say. It's because it beats out of, like, uh, because, beats still my heart or something. Um, I'm sorry that I'm not making a lot of sense today. I wanted to talk about morality and how that's an interconnecting force. Like it, morality is a lot like integrity. If you look up the way that it, um, if you look up the, it's synonyms, moral is a word for manorol, but over time they cut out the middle part of it because it's a lot easier just to say moral. And then in that song, they're like, I just got a drunk text, meet me at our spot. How do you know it was a drunk text? Did it say drunk text colon? Meet me at our spot? Is that what it said? How did you know? I'm a conf I'm confused. And then, but, uh, like, moral is a word for more all. But what I'm... What I want to talk about is kind of morality's relationship to memories. Like, I don't really know what the relationship is. I kind of want to work it out as I'm talking. It's kind of like memory, and you, the more that you increase your memory is the more famous that you get. Like, 
Um, but what's interesting to me, this is an idea that I thought about recently, is how um, morality is connected to popularity and visibility. Like for some reason, morals are more visible, stories are more visible than what isn't a story. And it's like, historically speaking, 99% of the things in history are completely forgotten. You have a very small percent chance of having, of being remembered in any way or being a part of any event that was remembered that happened 200 years ago, because like all, like, especially something that happened in the year 702 AD, historians will say like, oh, there are they might have five things that happened in that year at most, but like especially on a mainstream level, nobody even knows could name one thing that happened in the year seven oh two AD. But like uh, historically speaking, the things that are, it's very unlikely that anything would be remembered at all. It's just that the less that it is a story, is the more it gets peripheral in the direction. And what's weird is just how stories surface and when it is in story form, but like morals are very strongly related to stories. And um, when something is in story form, like, um, and when something gets collected into story form is the more that it has opportunity to surface, like historically that it gets remembered that it is a point of reference, that it got, that it surfaced out of all of the historical events that didn't surface when it becomes story mode. But this, this set of ideas that the stories are the things that are remembered in history, like that it discounts all the shit that's forgotten and you immediately just forget about what's forgotten and it's because all of those things are exist on the periphery. And like, I hadn't really thought about that idea, the like a protection that religions give you through history, like of being remembered. And uh, like, I hadn't really thought about that before I started talking about it at the end of the last episode. And it's an interesting idea. And I didn't mean to bring up the example of Christopher Columbus so much, but I did. And I looked it up later and Leif Erikson was actually a Christian. And so, like, the Vikings were there, and so it's not, like, it's not necessarily true that Christopher Columbus is remembered because he was a Christian. There are, if you think about it, there were, there's a number of factors as why it's, like, it's a, it's a collection of things, and I think being Christian helped him. It's Christian and nobility commandeered him he's like comes from nobility, essentially told him to do this, he's Christian, and then what he did ended up resulting in the greatest amount of people like uh, uh, Europeans actually colonized the entire continent after after the pathway that Columbus did but like with the Vikings they didn't colonize the entire continent after what the Vikings did is part of why the Vikings are less remembered but it's really like Leif Erikson I'd say is still more associated with his Viking heritage than Christopher than Christopher Columbus has an identity outside of that like Vikings aren't associated with Christianity, but it's kind of like relatively less do we relatively less is Leif Erikson a Christian relatively less do we say that he's the person who discovered the Western Hemisphere, but it's like uh, the, and I the idea that I think is interesting is how morality morality is visible, but it's kind of like um, stories surface morality is visible because of like following customs makes you it's like having the best story being part of a religion 
there you can't escape from that that is part of the story because there are so many people that took part in it this is a way you can protect yourself or like be remembered forever is uh and is by taking part in a giant memory and it's kind of like the groups that are the largest on the earth or have the largest presence or that the most people participate in this is the perception of the earth at any given time and then historically that is what's remembered like you can you can sacrifice your individuality and become part of a group like Christians. And because there are so many Christians on the earth, this is unquestionably part of the developing story of the earth and gets remembered historically. And it's kind of just that that is the story. But like it only becomes a story in some senses, the more popular that it is. And like the popularity goes hand in hand with your practicing religions that are popular like but aligning yourself with giant ass groups of people is an easy way of being popular and this sits in contrast to like individualized popularity but in some senses when you join the christian church and this is what they tell you and there's truth to it is that you lose your you're supposed to lose your individuality in exchange for living forever and i think that some of that has to do with like well Christianity does last through millennia, as it turns out, and is protected against time, where time is like a giant inferno burning everything up, every group or individual or corporation or uh, company or nation that comes along. It's difficult to receive protection against the inferno, against time. And uh, you do receive something like long-lasting life by sacrificing your individuality, but um, it really depends on what you value. Like to me that I, I think that it's for some people and then it is not for other people because I value, it's, it's kind of like you get rid of your individuality, say I'm a Christian and then you get remembered because you just, because you're part of this giant mainstream perception that everybody agrees is a thing. And because of, because of the network of all these people validating each other's beliefs, it becomes more and more difficult for the rest of the world to invalidate it. Like the rest of the world has to admit and respect that that is valid when you have that big a group of people saying they have the same belief. But it's like, I don't really value that because I, I am more concerned about the present moment or like I wouldn't, to me, it automatically cancels out why you're on earth if you're not going to do anything to further your own causes like you and me it's also that you as an individual immediately get forgotten if you sacrifice all of that for the f to be remembered as a collective instead of as yourself and to me it's like it it's already you die kind of already if you join the christian church but like uh rather than try to further your own cause because you can be remembered as an individual it's just more difficult and uh it's it's more peripheral but it's kind of like a i'd say it's like a disturbing trend that's happening in my life where i find that i maybe get more and more off of christianity but it's kind of like departing from standards and standardization and with standardization comes safety and protection and benefits and generally wealth and it's like something like Islam is a lot richer when they standardize religion in North Africa, when they come into North Africa in the, in the 1300s. 
AD, 1200s, 1300s AD, they get a lot more money than the tribal religions that are just more individualized, don't have as many people pooling their money. The religions that are the biggest have the most people, they pool the most money, they are the richest, they are the most visible, they are the most popular. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of benefit to popularity, especially because that is what success is, essentially. Essentially, it's like success, success, and according to the entire world, it's kind of like every single religion is a story, and the world then is a story. But it's kind of like, because story applies to everybody, or everybody's sort of trying to be, rem like, there's a lot that people do in the name of being remembered in history, like shit that they're doing currently, presently, is just to be like on the right side of history or like, well, I want to be remembered or legacy, but it, it you're doing that if you're trying to be successful. And then there's some people that don't like value that idea of success and they kind of do something like the opposite. But um, like there's a lot of people positioning, them, positioning themselves in for history and uh like have a good story or be remembered it's kind of like the morality of the entire world as it stands now as applies to everybody is have a good story that is morality that's morality for the world and it's like morality having a greater sense of morality actually causes you to surface causes you to rise to the top causes you to be successful is what's interesting to me what I, the way that I'm thinking about it now, that's an interesting idea I hadn't thought about before until very recently, and not one that I would have, like, I wouldn't have estimated I would try to put it into those words, or have come to that conclusion, that morality is associated with success, but it's like, it is because of, it, morality is like, moral is a word for manoral, and it's a word for more, all like if you're moral you operate by the morals of a culture the essential customs and conventions of a culture you operate by those you don't cross the mores or whatever you operate by the manners and the etiquettes of a culture when you are moral and this is like having integrity for the culture but it's kind of like this is the greatest likelihood the this is the greatest probability like the most likely person that you'll find in a group the most likely behavior is the one where they are following the rules because that is cultural. Like in a given culture, in a given environment, it doesn't have to be a country or a religion. It can just be a workplace. It can just be like if you work for uh, progressive insurance or something and you rise up the ranks there, you will be successful. You will rise to the top. You will surface in that environment if you follow the rules of the game that's created and following the rules following the customs has is essentially morality there's a lot of morality that that you have to have for some reason that is the case you have to have morality to be successful so it's like jimmy fallon rises to the top and we see him i would argue he actually has to access and display he has to use a lot of morality to get there in order to do that and it's like the way that TikTok works is that in any one of these environments like youtube has rules so that when i get on here i have to do certain things probably not make an episode about anarchy because anarchy is a very peripheral unidentified idea you want to be identified you want to be visible you want to follow the rules you want to say nice things that helps you out you want to be good you want to come off as good you want to say everything good about the jews and everything good about all the things you're supposed to say good about these are following the rules of the game for youtube you, you 
go to the surface, you get more views, you get more popularity. But it's just that how popularity is so strongly associated with, um, so how popularity is, is, is that it for some reason is like rule following, but it, it literally is because on TikTok you get to the top, you get the most views by following the rules, by sounding positive, but by having genuity, being genuine and having integrity gets you a lot of views on TikTok. That's how you become successful is like you have to stand behind the thing that you did. You have to have standards. You have to be committed to what you're doing. This is in your video. This has to come across to people. This gets you success and viewership. And um, it's it's mostly following the rules of the game or following the trends that everybody else is doing. Imitating what is popular gets you greater amounts of popularity, makes you more visible. And I'm talking about visibility in relationship to like surfacing where in terms of TikTok, you don't surface and nobody sees you if you don't follow the rules enough. And so like in some senses, getting to the top of TikTok involves a lot of ass kissing, but it is a it is a popularity contest the same way any of the rest of them are. And so it's like I've heard it said before that uh, affluence is not a virtue poverty is not a vice and what that phrase means is that like being the most rich and you get the most money as a result of rising to the top in tiktok it's like being the richest isn't better and that's kind of a phrase for saying that mainstream perceptions are not better than independent perceptions alternative perceptions perceptions that fewer groups of people hold it could be the case that like i'm talking about differentiated perceptions versus one giant integrated group identity perception and so like but you're what you're talking about with that is difference between outcomes likelihoods or probabilities where it's like the greatest probability is if you're in the mainstream the greatest probability in terms of what you perceive is that you agree with the most mainstream perceptions and most mainstream standards instead of alternative ones and it's like it goes it gets more and more imperceptible the more alternative the more niche the more individualized the thing that you believe is and um like i find that it's a disturbing trend in my life that i depart from christianity which i would argue involves a lot of standardization uh, obviously uh, it gives a set of rules uh, applies a set of rules over everybody that follows it or everybody gets automated to that set of rules it and it just like one set of rules for for lots and lots of people and i'd i would argue that you in some senses people do that to be popular or to be known whether or not they know that that's the intention it has to do with being popular this like having the story that the most people have makes you popular. It just kind of depends on what you value in terms of popularity. Do you value collectivism that like then gives you a chance to be remembered for a longer time historically, but not as yourself? Or do you value uh, trying to make it as yourself? And then because it's that's more risk reward. If you live a riskier life, you might try to, you might try to aim for popularity just for yourself and then that way you get all the credit for it and so different people value different things but it just brings to mind for me thinking of this how money is more a personality trait rather than that it's like 
affluence is a virtue rather than that it is good to be mainstream. It's kind of more like there are people that are always sinking in terms of finances, like the money is going out the door. I think it's a personality trait rather than something that you could expect people to change. And so it's disturbing to me. I go in the direction of like, I like comedy. And and um, when I show up to do stand-up comedy, I really want to be there. Like I am nervous about going on stage, but at the point that I show up, I'm glad that I did it. I'm like, I made the right decision in coming here because I feel like I feel that I want to be there and that's like a direction I want to go in life. But it's like going in the direction of comedy is going in the direction of destandardization because comedians are jokers and jokers stand more individually in, in light of um, a giant group. Like joking is more about individualism because the more that you are a joker is the more that you're outside of games that people play. But it's like, joking and the idea of it and uh being a person that does that means that you go outside of games but the better you are at joking is the more that you're able to take everybody else's shit not seriously where you're able to say oh that's stupid that you take that seriously disrespecting all environments makes you more and more a joker like your capacity to joke is dependent on your ability to shit on the most other groups of people most other things that people find that you're supposed to take serious and this is reserved for the periphery generally and like it was probably even more imperceptible like a thousand years ago but comedy has a place now for being visible like we value that more so than we used to like you could rise to the top in the game of comedy and be popular and be visible but generally comedians as a person like personality types of a person that is a comedian i would I would guess is more broke than that they have money, but it's like, it just, depending on the kind of person you are, you might gravitate towards standardization. And then this results in you maybe having more safety at an easier life, having more money as a result of being part of a giant group that is taking the burden of collecting money for you. So you can align yourself, identify yourself with things like that. And uh, like, it's not like being a Christian means that you get money back, And like maybe a thousand years ago, Christianity had a stronger correlation to wealth for you or like you actually were more protected by having that. So it's like maybe it's more difficult today to say that Christianity brings you wealth, but it's like it gives you it gives you the protection. It gives you currency for um, reputation wise. And that's what you're that's what you're saying is what it gives you is like you don't have to amass wealth on earth because you have the wealth of something like long-lasting life and i would argue that that actually practically displays itself in that something like judaism they worship a single god but the jews are pretty insular and they worship the same god throughout for thousands of years and they continue to last worshiping that god it's kind of like they're protected against time protected against history and if you become a jew and take part in that religion you take part in this thing that lasts forever and you kind of are given long-lasting life or something like that and but i i want to talk about morals morals being a word for uh morality i i'm trying to think about their relationship to memory and 
memory we often talk about as if like you're accessing your memory, you're thinking about things that happened a long time ago. But in reality, anytime that you're thinking, you're using your memory because when you're thinking in words, you're recalling the pictures and definitions you've built for those words to think in them. You have to remember the words to think in them. Like, and if you're thinking about any person in your life presently, you're using your memory to picture them or think about them. You're using your memory of things you've seen about them. And like, you're just kind of using your memory all the time. And like um, memories are like, like memes, but you might take part in a big religion to be more remembered. But there's, there's a lot that's done in the name of being remembered. And on TikTok, generally, what you're trying to do in making a TikTok is make something memorable because it's kind of like, uh, at this point, that's what it's been simplified to in terms of popular culture, where TikTok is like on the front lines of popular culture. What popular culture has been simplified to is like memeing yourself or being memorable. Or it's like we realize now that everybody just has like sort of shit intentions where they're just trying to be popular. So basically, you just have to be really memorable in order to overcome that. Like that is the expectation, that is the standard, is be memorable. But it's the same thing as, well, you follow trends, you be imitative of other people um, in, in order to be memorable. But it's like the greater that you're able to increase your memory. Like if you are a famous individual, this means that you have a very increased memory. It's kind of like a very increased celebrity. If you are very, if a lot of people know you, if you're a famous individual, this is like you are a, a fixture in the memory of an entire nation as opposed to just the fixture in the memory of an individual. That's what fame is. Fame is for memory that's been increased across many different people it's like you've been able to meme yourself contagiously like a virus to the most people so that the most people think of you or know something about you that they exist in many individuals memories if you exist in lots of individuals memories that's your you become famous but you're just like successful at memeing yourself to the most people and increasing your memory increasing your celebrity and like that's kind of that's what that's what memory does that's how memory works. That's memory, folks. And that's memory. And uh, memory, it's like an increase in memory. I, I like that idea. I like how morality, for some reason, following the customs, following the rules, gets you, remember the most, is like gets you the most popular. That's what, because that's what you have to do in any given environment in order to be successful. Any company, you follow the rules, you kiss your ass to the top or whatever. It's like following rules is actually, but it it's just that culturally speaking, you define a culture by those rules. So it is the most likely case that any given person living in the culture is a rule follower. That's the most likely group of people. That's the highest probability. The highest, greatest probabilities are the ones that the most people are in are that are most people are constituting that probability. They make up that group. And those those are the perceptions that are the biggest, that have the most weight, that have the greatest presence, and they become the story. But it's just like perceptions in reality aren't better than each other. And the story is just the visible one in the same way that history is chock full of women, but 
we call it history because it's essentially just a story about men. There are examples of women through history, but that's the way that you would speak about it is like, well, there are examples of women in history. It's mostly a story about men that fought wars and, and whatever, and most of the people that are remembered are men. That's why it's called history, but it just has to do with like, men are more identifiable. That's kind of their position in life. I would argue like masculinity is, I, this is something I would argue, you know, obviously you can contradict it if you want, maybe, but probably not. Maybe you, I don't know that you should get into the territory of questioning anything that I say. So probably just take it as that every word I say is canon and then everyone will be safe, right? Right? That's the way that you approach things. Um, unquestioningly follow whoever, probably, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do, right? Right? Are we right? Be right. Be, and being right is very moral, visible. And um, now I get off topic with what I was trying to say. And um, there's just like gaming and there's comedians. But it's like comedian, gaming, being outside of games. Like Elon Musk is kind of outside of a lot of games in order to say like, well, all of the games on Earth don't fucking matter. I just I want to be Mars guy. Like you would have to be outside of a lot of games or care very little about a lot of things happening on Earth to say that like, well, I can leave it because Mars is just as good a game. So it's like someone like that is a figure of a joker. But there's this philosopher named Alan Watts that had a lot of recordings, I think in the 70s, and a lot of these recordings are now surfacing on YouTube. He's like a, he's like Terrence McKenna, but people know Alan Watts more. There's a lot of Alan Watts clips of him talking that uh, appear on TikTok. But the one of the most interesting things that I find that he talks about is the dynamic between jokers and games. He talks about the figure of a joker, a person in society that acts like this, that's outside of the rules of games. And this he talks about it before really the Batman villain Joker was popularized, like probably before all of the m most popular Batman movies, I think. Alan Watts is already talking about the figure of a Joker just kind of symbolically. That, like there's this person, but he's like prophesying this kind of thing will rise in society. And he was totally right. Like the figure of a Joker, like our interest in it. And um, it's like uh, joking cause you to be outside of games is... Um, but gaming, um, but what direction do I want to go with this when I, when I end this, when I end this sermon that I'm telling you, what point can I send, send it in to totally end this on an exclamation of sorts? Let me think, um, well, the Jews, I mean, they're just, uh, who knows, who knows what they're doing? I hear the word Jews, I yell out, who knows? I, I yell out, what are they doing? Whenever I hear that word, is that a problem? I think that it's grand. I think that that's the right reaction. You have to be reactive. You have to be aware. It's time to start a dialogue. So it's like things surface and like Chris Farley on SNL, he surfaced in terms of in competition with all of the other cast members through the years. It was like famously, and he was a very moral person. He was actually like a devout Catholic, but and not that that necessarily had anything to do with it, but it's like, um, 
I watched this documentary, I think I mentioned on here before, it's called Saturday Night, made by James Franco, or whatever, Franco, James Franco, and um, at the end of it, he was interviewing Lauren Michaels, Lauren Michaels is talking about SNL and how he makes it, and this is like insight that you, that I've never, that you wouldn't get anywhere else, Lauren Michaels just talking directly about the show and what makes it effective, and James Franco asks him like directly this these kinds of questions that you would want to ask Lauren Michaels, like, um, what, why does it last so long? And what is like, why does it continue to go on? And like, it's kind of like you do it the same way for a long time or whatever. But Lauren Michaels is like, answered the question and by saying, well, you know, things have surfaces to them. And he's talking about how that in relationship to like the medium that he provides SNL, I'd say is, it's like a medium and he's talking about how the stage that he puts up there, he produces a show. The stage is like a medium that's free of controls and free of regulators. And so it's this kind of free and open environment that he allows for by it being live, by you not being able to escape from your live on TV. And he's talking about, it's like uh, combustible. What happens when you get the juxtaposition of people that have that have to sell themselves through tv but it's live he's he said that things have surfaces to them and since he said that i've been thinking about that phrase because i had no idea what he meant and i just i thought about it for a long time and things work like that where something that stands out to you that somebody said is like uh it's like a memory or it's kind of like a dream where a dream that you are you think says something profound to you you might spend a lot of time like later on trying to work it out and then and but uh single statements that people say work the same way where it's like i find that there are all these single statements that even a decade or more later i'm thinking about them because i haven't figured out what they meant and it's kind of like working out a symbol or an analogy or or a dream a little bit but he's like things have surfaces to them but what he I feel like what he meant is that the what happens in an environment free of control is that the people who deserve to surface do surface because of their surface ability. Like uh, what he provides for is like, well, if you really have the quality of surfacing, you will surface on this stage. And that's that's literally what happens. And the first time that I watched this documentary Saturday night, it was apparent to me or is striking to me that uh they're talking about how, and I've heard this about SNL from different sources, people talking about it. It's just how it's a competitive environment among all of the cast members to get their uh, skit on air. And like, it's for some people that get on there that it just doesn't work out and they're out of there after a year because they can't collaborate with people the right way, or it's just the scene isn't right for them or, or whatever, like they can't, but it involves a lot of making friends with everybody there and being visible, essentially. Being successful in SNL is about following the rules of the game and like making friends with the most people, following the customs, the rules of the game that Lauren Michael, Lauren Michaels set out for you. Um, but what's evident to me about this documentary is just how even in the SNL environment, you have the popular kids. And I thought about that before I thought about how morality is visible. Like, even in SNL, you have the popular kids. In this this documentary, they shot it when it was Fred Armisen and Christian Wiig and Bill Hader cast. And basically, Fred Armisen and Bill Hader were 
they came across to me as like, oh, these are the popular kids in this school, essentially. That's what you'd, that's what you'd gather by looking at this behind the scenes. Like, Jason Sudeikis was almost popular, but he wasn't. It was like Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, and Fred Armisen were the popular kids, and they are the people that always appear in the most sketches on SNL during that time period. And it's basically like they follow the rules of the game, and they, um, and they end up, they end up surfacing as a result of that. But like, um, it's kind of like the people who who deserve to surface do surface, and it has to do with. It has to do with for SNL following the rules of that game, but it's like um, things that are in story form, even in your thinking, have a better chance of coming to the surface when you talk. Like the things that you talk about are the most important points, are the uh, are the points that surface, and it's kind of like I would argue in your thinking that this is what causes it to surface or even causes you to think about it because even beyond the level of you thinking there's like subconscious beyond that that you're drawing the thoughts from it's kind of like in your mind uh who knows how you organize or sequence the thoughts into something that is coherent that makes sense like into a sentence or whatever you have to draw from a lot of imperceptible sources wherever the words or thoughts are coming from you draw from some imperceptible ethereal amorphous mess of thoughts in order to create them but it's like you formulate into them into something practical and formulated and the more that it is formulated is like the more that it is becoming the words that are coming out of your mouth because that is when it's evidential that you have defined something or sequenced something is the point that you actually said it or that but like you display certain things to people when you visit them your friends and whatever and even just you interfacing with friends these are the surfaced moments out of uh all the other moments like if you see uh, your friend once a week there's the whole rest of the week they don't even see you like you exist imperceptibly to them the entire rest of the week but then you surface for that friend surfaces to you for like the three hours you see them or whatever. And it's kind of like those moments that you actually see people are the surface moments. But then when you see your friends, you talk about the stories that you tell are just the important bullet points, but they're like the things that have come to the surface or the things that you think the most about. And they're like, it's kind of like they get put into story form as they do that. They become, they surface more, but it's like, it's the same thing as having integrity. You like you're not gonna say something if there's no integrity with with it. Like the things that are important to you have the most integrity to you, and they they increase in integrity as they become words that are coming out of your mouth, where they just originated as ethereal incoherentness. I'm but I'm talking about something like subconsciousness versus consciousness, awareness of of something, and. Um, it's kind of like is subconsciousness when you have dreams you're always exploring your subconsciousness more so um but it's like as it becomes more conscious it like it it just comes to the surface more in story form the same way that things work historically with um the stories that actually get remembered it has to do with memorability and memory and it's kind of like memory memory is almost like more conscious than we give it credit to be because remembering something that you're thinking about is actually more conscious than 
all of the things that you don't remember but that you have seen and do exist in your psyche somewhere those are even less conscious they're less visible but it's like um popularly speaking you only become popular by interfacing with the most people that the most people have seen you by you only become more visible by being seen by the most people if you are more of a loner you automatically exist in a more imperceptible state of things but that's in my mind that's like having a religion that's like maybe closer to satanism satanism is typically associated with humanism or just doing what you want if you're just doing what you want you become more individualized you're not sacrificing for to be part of a collective but it's kind of like satanic witch doctor more tribal religions just in that direction it becomes more imperceptible as opposed to what rises to the top obviously is islam like everybody there's most people in america don't even practice islam but we're like oh yeah that's one of the main religions like we we respect the popularity of it even and not practicing in it even not practicing it much more so than like whatever are the five spirit religions that zimbabwe is still practicing like tribally speaking but it's like um over the over niche tribal religions we don't know any of those they're not visible to us and they're not visible to the entire world and um it's like morality and and memory and what Lorne Michaels creates is a medium where the surfacing just happens for the people who surface the most. But you really, you have to play the rules of the game. And it's like that environment, you always, that's always the case in every environment. You could say SNL, you could say Joe Rogan. In order to be successful on Joe Rogan as one of his guests, you'd have to follow the rules of the game. With the Joe Rogan experience, it's been simplified because it's just the Joe Rogan experience has been simplified to that name so that you know that the rules of that game are just that of appealing to Joe Rogan. Like I'd say that the number one rule for being a guest on Joe Rogan is to be nice to Joe Rogan basically. And, but it's like the people that surface the most within the environment that is the Joe Rogan experience, they are basically just Joe Rogan's the friends, the people that he likes the most because it's just defined to him. And so it's like simplified in that way because SNL is essentially the Lorne Michaels experience. It's just not, it's just not called that. It's, it's the same thing. He has his own environment and it's just more encrypting when your name is not associated with the project. It's more, it's more encrypting when you're like, Oh, I'm the producer of it because it's not defined to you. So like, it's not the Lauren Michaels experience. It's less encrypting. It's, it's more just out in the open. If you're like, this is the Joe Rogan experience, because then it's obvious that you're putting all of it on. So it's like the Lauren Michaels experience actually involves a lot more people. So it does make sense that he doesn't just define it as that, but it's kind of like, well, like comparatively speaking so it's like uh you if you follow the rules of the joe rogan experience means that you are really on the same page as joe rogan and then you'll be on his show a lot more times you'll surface more and you'll be like remembered as a guest if you're only on there once or twice it probably says a lot about your relationship to joe rogan but those are the rules of the game just like the game and it's the same in being a country the political structure 
if you follow the rules, if you say that you're a Christian as a politician, if you say that you like the things that the country finds to be the most popular, then you'll be elected. And that it really points out a lot of flaws in the political structure, honestly, if you think about it that way. Uh, but I mean, not that people don't think about it that way. It's just that, um, it's just that like, uh, running out of money might be like, you just might be somebody who likes alternative things or your version of popularity is present moment popularity instead of long term. But I think that, I think that there is an element of being famous that goes along with Christianity. It's just that you can get out of that because you say that like, well, you Christians aren't well liked, but it's more like it's just that momentarily presently the world isn't going to view it like the world has a more temporary uh processing of popularity the world and somebody participating in world activities as opposed to one specific religion's activities the world will not view participating in one specific thing as popular for like current moments presently what's happening it's like the world just takes everything as it is, but like you join a religion, you're just going for some abstract ass across time popularity. I personally don't value that. And so it's troubling to me that I might want to depart into a world that's just more characteristic of not having f money or, uh, but like, it doesn't have to be that way, but it's like, um, there is something kind of superficial about surfacing there is surfacing especially if you surface a lot that would say something that like you're kind of superficial rather than that you're deeper and like i have to talk about theo von for a minute and that i have to i'm i'm sorry that it's come to this but um like theo von is i feel like the world is going to catch up to him and they're going to be really mad at him in a in pretty soon in just a minute or two because he likes to walk around and kind of act like a brother or something or that he's he's on good terms with the hood you know what i'm saying do you know what the hood is have you heard about that have you been there i don't think it exists the hood that's not um cultural appropriating is it to say that isn't it culturally appropriating to say the word suburban or urban that dynamic isn't you you shouldn't be able allowed to say urban that's a lot of cultural appropriation but it's like theo von i don't know why the world hasn't started saying to him like oh you're just a white guy and then when they start saying that to him i wonder if that crashes his whole campaign like i feel like cancel culture might go after theo von pretty soon or something but I'm just being a heretic. I mean, I'm just being a, a person yelling at him. I'm being a critic myself in doing this. Like, I'm already part of the mob by bringing this up, unfortunately. But it's just that Theo Vaughn, uh, in recent years, has gotten off of what made him original, in my opinion. And he started to try to be more marketable and... By that, I mean he's trying to associate himself with a specific market. He's saying he's like blue collar. He's regular people. His latest special is called Reg Regular People. But he's just trying to sell to everybody like, well, I'm down home. Like I'm just a regular guy, and I'm not I'm not a highfalutin like some of these other guys. But there's a lot of superficiality to that because he is a person that has surfaced, and 
it's like in reality, he's actually followed a lot of rules in terms of uh, making a podcast look the right way and having the best guests and being the most visible. Like he's actually has a lot of morality to get to the level that he got. And so it's kind of contradictory to say that you're actually just a regular person. As when you have this giant audience, regular people don't have a giant audience. Like Theo Von, you're not a regular person. So there's, it's would seem to me there's a lot, there's superficiality whenever that happens. Whenever there's a comedian, like I'm a blue collar comedian, and basically that doesn't work out for anybody. Like Larry the Cable Guy is the obvious example, but he's just a, he's just a caricature, and it's obvious that he's fucking around. And that's like, uh, he has to be completely superficial in order to make that work because he's not actually that and he fakes the accent and whatever. It's like you are, and that's what Theo Vaughn does too. It's kind of like fakes a bit of an accent to say that he's just from the bayou and it comes from no money and that's the way that it exists now. But like everything he's doing is in the name of making money. But the point I'm making is you can't, there's no such thing as a voice for the voiceless because the voiceless don't have a voice, actually. If you have a voice, then you're not voiceless. You're not the voiceless. You don't know what it means to be a voiceless person if you have if you have a voice. There's no such thing as that. That's what that's what somebody like Theo Von tries to sell, is that he's like a voice, voice for the voiceless. But if you're not a voiceless person... But what I'm arguing f- for this episode and otherwise... Um, I mean, just in life is like there, there are the voiceless and in some sense you can't escape from that. Like not having money is a personality trait. There are the voiceless and there are the people who have voices. There are the people that naturally gravitate towards standardized popularity and visibility. And then there's the people that, um, don't, there's the people that gravitate towards more alternative perceptions and they probably are they're a lot more likely to be forgotten in history, but maybe they'll have a good time while they're here. It's kind of like have that's what Christian critique of heaven versus hell is. It's like, well, you'll be remembered in heaven for eternity or whatever. Or, But if you just live a carnal life here, you'll be forgotten right away. But it's just, I'd say that Christianity is for some people and then isn't for others. Like, there are the voiceless. And so, um, and so like, do I... Is it something you choose? Am I choosing more a voiceless life by going into comedy and saying I'm outside of uh, standardized environments that other people like? It's not really something I choose. I don't see that I could escape from doing that. I don't. I there's nothing I could do about that. Like that, I want to get into the areas of life that I want to get into or whatever. I'd say that it's not um, like there's personality with it. Like going into more poor sets of activities or like. Uh, or whatever, as opposed to rich ones, isn't, uh, I would argue, isn't a vice. It's just that you might be a person who doesn't like perceptions that are mainstream, or or it's kind of a matter of seeing all possibilities as the same versus like giving more credibility to the most mainstream possibilities. Like, if you view all of the possibilities... It it might make me you more intelligent to see lots of possibilities as opposed to just a couple of the mainstream ones. Because if you view all, the more possibilities you view is the more that you're getting into these really tiny probabilities. Like every, if you're viewing every single outcome, it's like you're respecting every single outcome. This causes you, this causes you to give respect to these alternative perceptions 
and um, groups of people and beliefs that most people wouldn't care about because they're already not mainstream. But there's some people that are like, I think it is somewhat a matter of intelligence that you're like, well, the only thing that matters is like the mainstream standardized medicine is telling everybody to get the vaccine, standardized medicine. Some people are like, well, that is the only, it's the only outcome that's important. Alternative perceptions of how you deal with uh, the virus are don't even exist. Some people treat it like that where they're like, if it's not mainstream, it doesn't even exist. And that that is beyond me that anybody is able to do that. They're able to write off this entire set of things or say that the only outcomes are the ones that the most people participate in or whatever. Um, and, um, but thank you for, thank you for listening to that. I'll, I'll be back on here in the future and in future later on time. And that's all good. But thanks for, thanks for this. Thanks for this time that we had it was incalculable um the benefit that i received from this time is incalculable i can't calculate it um the benefits that i received are just i wish i could put it in words is indescribable I'm trying to come up with the words is just there aren't any, there aren't even any words who knows all right bye